It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships, sans the sleaze factor, while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm having a little technical difficulty today, but I think we're going to get this straightened out. So, running around the corner here. Okay. What I'm going to be talking about today is sex in the news. And then the latter part of the show, I'm going to talk about how to be thankful and grateful in your relationship, because after all, we are coming up to Thanksgiving. And for many of us, I don't think we put enough time into being thankful and grateful. I mean, I know sometimes for me, you know, it becomes a little bit of a slippery slope where you start taking things for granted. And the moment you start taking things for granted, that means your attention and intention aren't on taking care of that important person in your life. I mean, if you want them to feel like they're important and you want them to feel like they're special, you've got to give them your attention. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to start today with some of the things that I was was reading about. And one of the first was, can we possibly get over the hypocrisy of what is happening within the Dugar family with Jim Bob now writing letters to all of the people on his, you know, the family website and telling them all of the things and the behaviors that they should be doing so that their children do not have, uh, have an impact of what they refer to as worldly and other things. Well, bottom line is, let's have a coffee, Jim Bob, You kept your children away from having any information about who they are to the extent that now you have your son Josh in a rehab center where he's reading a Bible. It's a Bible, you know, rehab. Okay, good. But here's the other thing. I'm going to put a little pin in saying that this is a young man who has a sex addiction. And I'm going to be relying on some of the best in my field who do not believe there is such a thing and will not, from a professional standpoint, talk about someone having a sexual addiction. And that is Dr. Eli Coleman, who is the seated chair for the first endowed chair in human sexuality. He's at University of Minnesota in the program in human sexuality. And he talks about sexual compulsivity, and sexual impulsivity. I'm going to be reading some things also from Joe Court, and that's K-O-R-T, 
and he is a therapist and Ph.D. as well. And he wrote this article that is just great. And Joe Hinsoff is gay, and he wrote it on a Facebook posting. He said, you know, I thought I was done with coming out, but actually I'm not. And he wrote this article saying why I am no longer a sex addiction therapist. And it is just frickin' brilliant. And, you know, and he said in the 1980s, the addiction models were becoming much more, you know, popular, and sex addiction model got tagged into that. So then 12-step groups or behavioral addictions were forming everywhere. And the groups, as well as the information, were easily accessible, and clients understood the concept immediately. So as he said, he became a sex addiction therapist and fully embraced the model until 2010 when he began to see some serious flaws. For instance, and this is what people also say, is that sex isn't as simple as what people had first, you know, learned about. It's much more problematic. It's much more complicated. It's much more convoluted. And the definition of treatment of sexual addiction is complicated by the values, thank you, Jim Bob, the morality and the religious overtones of the treatment providers. That's why when they talk about reparative therapy, which has been banned by the AMA, APA, saying that this should never, reparative therapy, in essence, tells someone that if they have change of type of thinking and if they focus on God taking away those the the thought of being gay, because reparative therapy is typically used on younger people, telling them they can't be gay, telling them they will never be loved, telling them they're totally flawed. I mean, it's brutal. And they're constant. So it's neither reparative nor is it a true form of therapy. So, and the other thing is that not only is it complicated, the the, uh, sexual addiction complicated by morality, values, and religious overtones, in also in the sex addiction model, sexual recovery is left to the therapist and the spouses or the partner's moral judgment and discretion. So here's the other thing that often will happen. Someone's going to be told that they're a sex addict. Well, who do you think is going to be telling them that? Likely the person who is around them, who is a partner, who is saying, you know what, I feel you're a sex addict. Well, let's put two really powerful words together sex and addiction, and you have an absolute recipe for disaster. And as Joe Court goes through, is that what ended up happening is that as we expanded our understanding of what, you know, the range of human sexuality and desires, many within, you know, my profession and in the area of sexuality and sexual health, they ceased pathologizing or making what those sexual behaviors were um, wrong. As an example, if someone is into kink as part of their play that they have with their partner and they go to see a therapist, often a therapist would pathologize the kink when that wasn't the issue at all. It, It has nothing to do with it. It could be that they found that their partner had been dishonest with money and they were trying to do something else or... but. Often the thing that happened is because people were not comfortable talking about sexuality as a therapist, they ended up saying, oh, well, that's um, unnatural or that's abnormal, when in in all actuality there's a whole range of pleasure available to us 
as sexual beings. So the other understanding, that the other thing that one has to know is that the screening and the, the way that sexual addiction screening tests, when, they, when therapists can administer to recognize areas that are problematic within the client's arousal template. So clients would be asked things such as, did you purchase romantic novels and sexually explicit magazines? Um, they're asked if they engaged in sadomasochistic behavior. And really, what the tests, these tests did, were they were basically telling someone that these behaviors or any of these other behaviors were wrong. And however, what we know and what most people know is many people do all of these things and never have a problem. And also, the focus Sex addiction therapy's focus is on altering sexual behavior. So, for the Joe Court uses this as an example in his article that if a man <clears throat> uh, feels that you know he can't stop undressing women in his mind, he's encouraged to manage his lust by self-policing how long he looks at a woman. The three-second rule, and that assumption is that by simply stopping that addictive behavior or the compulsive behavior, that will bring him back to healthy sex and marriage. However, th this keeps the focus on that sexual behavior so that actually making it worse, things worse, by putting the client at odds with her or his sexuality and actually causing the behaviors to increase. However, you know, and, you know, and I have to say, he makes the comment that he is rarely seen this be successful. One of the great therapists in our field, a gentleman by the name of Jack Morin, wrote a book called The Erotic Mind. And in it, he actually stated, if you go to war with your sexuality, you will lose. And you'll cause more chaos than you started, period. And a good friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of Doug Braun Harvey, he is a therapist in San Diego area, and his most re recent book, Treating Out-of-Control Sexual Behavior, Rethinking Sex Addiction, he said it, he basically cautions removing a person's erotic life in the process of trying to treat their so-called addiction, and he refers to it as an erotic ectomy. And Doug is very, he looks for ways to support people versus telling them, you know, you, there's something wrong with you, now now change it. And so in the sex addiction model, the client gets led to believe that if they return to that sexual behavior, they will relapse into sexual compulsivity. So what they do, again, this is what reparative therapy um, tells you to do, you build a life around avoiding the behaviors and fantasies with strong boundaries rather than accepting and befriending this part of themselves and learning to control it rather than it controlling them. Kind of a different, you know, little twist on this, isn't it? And one of the people that a sex therapist, Marty Klein, says, the mission of sex addiction therapists is to put everyone in the missionary position. I think that's completely hilarious. And I did a number of your tango uh, sections, uh, segments with 
Marty Klein. He has his practice up in San Francisco area. And, you know, and having come back from inside the trainings and discussions, um, Joe Court's comment was he simply could not disagree with Marty. So we're coming up to our first break here. Tomorrow I am going to be on a fabulous radio program, and it's uh, the woman who started is called This Little Parent Stayed Home. And she, I think she has 5 million listeners. So anyways, please stay with me. We'll come right back about sex addiction and sex in the news. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Do you want to get a contact high? Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your high on life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. At any given time, millions of Americans are on a diet and on a quest to lose weight. Discovery Health says that the only way to lose fat is to consume fewer calories per day than your body needs. For every 3,500 calories that your body takes from its fat reserves, you lose one pound. You can create that deficit by monitoring and restricting your intake of calories alone. But I believe that the best approach is to exercise and cut back on your calories. By upping your daily exercise and scaling back on your consumption of calories, you are giving yourself a healthy balance that will pay off great dividends. So be sure to add daily exercise to your quest to lose weight. Health, well-being, and a slim body awaits you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, before the break, I was talking about the show that I'm going to be on tomorrow. It'll also obviously be recorded. And the host is a woman by the name of Ali Lopreet, L-O-P-R-E-T-E. And Ali has a show entitled This Little Parent Stayed Home, and it's on iHeartRadio. I will be on live at noon tomorrow, noon Pacific time. And what her mission is is that she wants to bring a million career-savvy parents home so that they can stay home and have a career there, but also take care of their children and be the parents that they want to be. 
So Allie and I met, oh gosh, about four years ago. So I'm going to be on her show tomorrow. It's going to be an absolute blast. It's just around the corner from where I am. So if you're able, um, I'm going to be putting up some Facebook stuff and some Twitter stuff about it as well. So back to the sex addiction model. Here's the thing that is the real issue for therapists, is that actually in the in the DSM-5, which is the American Psychiatric Association's Bible, they have very clear guidelines in the DSM-5 on the difference between, you know, kinks, which would be what would they call paraphilias, kinky, and the psychological disorders associated with kink. Yet, one of the things that often happens is that it is the therapist that hasn't been trained well enough to be able to know that they have their own value judgments. Someone who comes in and says that, you know, he likes to dress in women's clothing. And this person believed that that was wrong and, you know, for the sexual arousal. And why would, you know, a man want to humiliate himself this way? Well, that isn't what he's doing. This is, he enjoys this. And the more that we know about transgender, and by the way, I have a, there's a transgender story that's in the news right now of a young man who came from a very uh, sterling lineage in the Hasidic uh, community in New York who has just come out as a woman and knew from the time that he was four or five that, you know, I'm in a boy's body, but he was interested. He felt that he was a girl. He got married at 19, arranged marriage, had a child, and now feels truly free. I mean, imagine the pressure that is. I know other people for transgender that, you know, we now know, here's, let's put it this way, that, you know, about transgender issue and how normative it is for many men to enjoy dressing in women's clothing and underwear, and it isn't humiliating for them at all. And that therapist was using their own bias or belief system. And the other thing that that therapists get trained with is counter-transference, and they need to be aware they can't put their own value systems on them. So what we find is that by encouraging deprivation and limitation, it inadvertently contributes to controlling the client rather than helping the client gain mastery over their own sexuality. And again, how often in our own experiences have we found that when we are told we must stop some behavior, it makes the behavior seem even more attractive? So nowadays, this is to, I'm, I'm using uh, sort of the template of part of this conversation of Joe Court's article, is that using the framework of sex addiction is the last thing he might consider when someone comes into his office struggling with out-of-control sexual behaviors. He looks for comorbid conditions and diagnoses, such as anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, or bipolar disorder, to name a few. He doesn't zero in on the sexual behavior, and he encourages the client to consider their own values around their sexuality and to separate themselves from the values that they have learned elsewhere. And I'm going to just read his uh, paragraph here. We as therapists need to self-reflect and evaluate where we stand on working from a sexual addiction model or whatever we believe to be healthy versus non-healthy sexuality and make sure we are not imposing our beliefs 
and views onto the client, as well as a therapist needs to explore whether or not the client has been sexually abused or has one of a number of other disorders. I mean, one of the things that I remember watching a film, and this young man was, he was a functional autistic, you know, on the autistic spectrum, but as a result of him focusing on this young woman who knew that he was okay, the police arrested him and accused him of being a sexual predator. And again, they didn't have the information about the autism spectrum or about the sexuality, but they're just watching a young man who's standing outside of a schoolyard, and she happened to be a school teacher, and they arrested him. Um, it did get sorted out. But here's the thing, that someone like Jim Bob Dugar, yes, he can have his own value system, and I applaud giving a family a strong value system. But I also think you need to, he needs to do a whole lot more uh, informing himself before he starts telling people the things that should be done. I mean, from a, excuse me, how two-faced can you be? Jim Bob, you knew your son had been arrested and had these charges against him when he was a young man. You're supposed to be the coach of the family. You're supposed to be the person who is, you know, running things and, you know, being. And the other thing is he says you, you know, protect your family from sensual material. Well, the sensual material is something that you are born like this. This does not, you know, we enjoy things visually, audibly, taste-wise, touch-wise, and our bodies are designed to enjoy pleasure. And the other thing is that, you know, they did, I mean, TLC finally canceled them after there was such an outcry of people saying, this is ridiculous. I mean, I actually spoke about this on Josh Dugar and the Ashley Madison thing, I think it was on my August 31st show, and Here's what we have is we have this young man who has out-of-control behavior, being shamed, being pillorized. I mean, he's literally, they might as well put him in a pillory and throw things at him. And he's, you know, it's masking. You're not looking at what's going on when you use therapy that just says read the Bible. The Bible's got a lot of stuff in it, but what it doesn't have is sex therapy, okay? And it doesn't have things about dealing with compulsive behaviors. And when I speak to people, it's often the person who wants to control someone else's behavior who says to them, you're a sex addict. No. So if you want to go and listen to or read something, there's a gentleman who has written a book. It's entitled um, Unmasking. Is it Unmasking? The Let me see. David Lay is his name, L-E. L-E-Y, David Lay, and what he talks about is that there is no such creature, and he has been the uh, expert witness in, in trials. He is in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but what this is, I, I love this, this is um, Chris Donahue is using, is citing him, and Chris is another uh, uh, sex therapist in our field, and he says he quite, he is quoting David Lay, saying, To be clear, I question the ethics of doing a training on the ethics of treating sexually addicted clients when 
Sexual addiction is not a valid diagnosis, which may be rendered or billed for to Medicaid or any other third-party payor. Further, uh, David Lay has argued successfully in court and in multiple academic peer review publications that clinicians treating sexual addiction are actually ethically required to give informed consent to their patients that sex addiction is at best an experimental diagnosis and treatment. So, you know, to me, this is when I listen to Dr. Coleman, when I listen to uh, Doug Braun Harvey and his uh, partner Joe, Joe Vitaligo, I believe it is, their, their material, they are speaking from a very humanistic, let's take care of what's really here in front of us. Is there a situation where this behavior is causing problems and causing upset in these people's lives? No question. But as Joe Court said, instead of looking at just simply the sexual aspect of it, look at what is, what is the compulsivity and why might that be occurring. And I will use, what's his name? Ooh, there we go. Um, Gabor Mate, and he is a doctor in Vancouver who specializes in the area of addiction in the Gastown area, which has some of the most profoundly addicted people. And he said, if we really want to continue having people remain in addiction, he said, we should just continue having the same attitude that we do right now, which is to separate them keep them away from any support, shame them, penalize them, and that's really what is happening with this addiction model. You know, the 12-step program, if people go back and look at how actually effective the 12-step program is, I think they're going to be really shocked because it isn't. A good percentage of these people relapse. Now, is it something that is supportive for people when they need to have support, well, that's support. True. However, using a 12-step program and sort of going, oh, yeah, well, we'll just flip it over here into sexuality, majority of people don't know enough to be able to talk about this. So when we come back, I'm coming up to um, the halftime break, <clears throat> I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, Charlie Sheen and some of the things that are going on there. Um, you know, I said, I said this before. This is a brother. He is a son. He is a father. And none of us know what it's like to live under that microscope. None of us know what it's like to literally have to have people sign uh, an NSA, you know, uh, uh, an, an NDA, a non-declare uh, agreement before they even come into the house. I mean, I've had to do it for some really big names, but that's, that's their only way of being able to protect themselves. So when we come back, we're going to talk about more about sex in the news, touch a little bit on Charlie Sheen, and then update you on This Little Parent Stayed Home. Stay with me. This is 
Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. A study from the Center of Science in the Public Interest reviewed the nutritional contents of movie theater popcorn and found an alarming amount of fat, salt, and calories. A typical large tub of popcorn has 1,200 calories, 980 milligrams of sodium, and 60 grams of saturated fat. Adding just one tablespoon of butter adds 130 calories. Even the small delivers 670 calories, 550 milligrams of sodium, and 24 grams of saturated fat. Movie theater popcorn is often popped in coconut oil, which is about 90% saturated fat. Add salt to the enormous portions, and your once healthy snack turns into a health offender. Next time you go to the movies, bring your own air-popped popcorn and enjoy the show. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Oh, welcome back, everyone. So, before the break, I just made a quick comment about Ali Lucrete's show, This Little Parent Stayed Home. <clears throat> also, one thing that is rather exciting for me is that I'm, my new website should be up and operational you know, in beta testing mode but by tomorrow. And... Just to go back quickly, I did uh, check while I was on break and looked at where Josh Dugar is right now, you know, and all given that his, um, you know, he's now being charged by a prostitute saying that he had violent sex with her because now that that's something that we'll have someone else who will weigh in and say, I doubt you're going to get an actually a really good person to talk about this. But, you know, the, the name of the church that he's at, uh, it shows that it's, it's referred to as the Reformers Anonymous, uh, Reformers Unanimous International. Whatever. I, you know, to me, I'm like, this is a young man who needs someone who truly understands 
his behaviors and his compulsions. And if someone can help him, I just, you know, I hope that they find someone in their group who's able to help this young man. He's now the father of four. And also, his dream home was just sold to a mystery investment company tied to longtime member of family's inner circle two days before the porn star accused him of violent paid-for-sex sessions. So there goes all of the, you know, the, the holdings. So they're safe and protected. Now, another thing in the news that was a little bit of an out-of-control sexual behavior, the young woman who's an investment banker in New York, <clears throat> she kept discovering her underwear missing. She has a studio apartment in New York, and she was going like, hey, what is going on? So what she did is she set up her phone with an app on it to, that is activated by when there's motion. And sure enough, it turned out that the 32-year-old Jose Cedillo, who was her supervisor, the supervisor of the building, shows him coming into her uh, studio apartment, sniffing her underwear and stealing her dirty underwear out of her um, laundry. And, you know, chances are this young man, this man, he's not a young man, um, was doing that when he was young and around a sister or around someone, and that has just continued. Again, if it is done within an environment where it is consensual and it is something, but it may be that the real thrill is from a woman who he doesn't know. Actually, I did have one man who asked me if he could come and masturbate in front of my woman's class to show them what a man really wants. Now, understand, this guy is also an MD, and he was a plastic surgeon. So I said to him, well, why do you think that will be of interest to them? That's about you, not about them with their partners. And he said, well, I think that it really would be something that would be incredibly helpful. Well, he was almost stumbling over himself. He was so excited to keep asking me if, if I could, if he could. And I said, no. I said, bottom line is, this is about them. You doing this, this is about you having your fantasy taken care of. And he looked at me almost like I had hit him, and he goes, well, yeah, it is my fantasy. I said, I can tell. <laughs> but I said, here's the thing. It's not for them. And that's the reason I do the seminars. If I do a man's seminar, it's for the men. If I do a lady seminar, it's for the women. It's not for someone else to get, you know, their fantasy fulfilled by masturbating in front of women. Well, what turns out is that what he really wanted to do, and here's the twisted part of this dude, is he wanted, his thing was, he wanted to do it in front of women who didn't know him, strange women. So maybe this, this uh, Jose Cedillo doing the same thing. He didn't, he, it, it's more eroticized for him if it's a strange woman or a very beautiful woman, which indeed she is. And yet this doctor he said the only thing that really turns him on about this is if the women don't know him. Now, the scary thing for me is that this sick F often has women, obviously he does plastic surgery, under anesthesia in his office. I just hope to God he always has a female nurse in there because otherwise that is a recipe for disaster. So anyways, we've got, you know, I think if we have people become more aware of actually what sexual compulsion is and sexual impulses are, look if you're interested 
people you want to check out for yourself is look at articles by Dr. Eli Coleman, and that's E-L-I and then Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, and uh, anything by Dr. Doug Braun Harvey, and that's B-R-A-U-N Harvey, uh, anything by David Lay, he talks about the myth of sex addiction, and this is, you know, this is something that people, more people are being told that they're this by people who have no idea of how, you know, they are, they don't have any business making those statements to people. Um, so, anyways, let's go back. I'm excited about my new website. It's going to have a whole group areas for people. It'll be much more interactive. Thank goodness the one I have right now is just a disaster. So, let's talk about what and how thankful are you for things in your relationships and your sex life. How grateful are you for them? And how much attention do you put on wanting to take care of your partner? Ask yourself that. And little things, because for most people, it can be something as simple as, oh, wow, you saw that I was out of toothpaste and you went and got me my favorite non-fluoridated toothpaste, which I have to tell you is not necessarily all that easy to find. It's becoming much easier, but given that fluoride we know is an absolute neurotoxic chemical, I don't know why we haven't taken it out of our water systems and why it is still being used on an ongoing basis, and, and, and it does not help tooth decay. That's an absolute myth. So... Fortunately, I think we are becoming a slightly smarter um, group of people health-wise and about our bodies, particularly about our sexuality, thankfully. We no longer have that binary of a female, male, you're, you're interested here, you're interested there. And even, you know, think about this. Joe Court was writing about this. Even though we are expanding the the views of things, there's still the majority of people, when they have an issue relative to sexuality, they'll go to typically one of three places. They'll go to an MD, they'll go to a therapist, or they'll go to someone of faith. And typically, and you've heard me say this again and again, those are the places where they don't get any training about sexuality, sexual health, sexual pleasure. And if they do, it's often a nominal amount, and they talk about sex addiction, and they talk about dysfunction. And <clears throat> I was speaking with a person the other, I was reading a great article, by the way. Oh, you know, and speaking of Josh Dugard, just to leap back, there was a fabulous article uh, posted on Facebook last week by a young woman writing into Cosmo about having been raised in a very, very devout religious family where everything, she was not even allowed to date until she was in like her mid-twenties. And she said, as a result of that, she said, it really put her at risk because she had no way of knowing if someone was lecherous or if someone, she didn't know any of the warning signs of people who had ill intentions or were badly mannered or had Violence, so that you know the first person she was ever with ended up slamming her head into a doorway, and then she ended up being with a man who was substantially older who threatened to kill her. And she said, The problem was, my family was so, she said, 
I needed to be given some information. I needed something because our sexuality and how we operate in the world is very much governed by what our learned behaviors are. And we learn from the time we're tiny. But if you're constantly told you're never to have any discussions about it or, you know, Joe Bob, Jim Bob saying, you know, don't have any sensual, you know, material, you know, it's almost like did you rip the mirror out of your house and not look at yourself? Please. Pay attention to what you're saying. It just—it's not matching up with today's day and age. Of your children are going to be exposed to things. If you want them to be functional in this world, if you want them to be loved, they need to be given accurate information. So, anyways, going back to how well are you taking care of your partner's sexuality, and how thankful and grateful are you for it? And for some people, they talk about sexuality on a regular basis with their partner. For some, there isn't much sexual activity, but there's tremendous amounts of intimacy and tremendous amounts of, you know, play and fun. And for most people, you know, the sexual, you know, it, it may be something that is a, an important part of their life and good for them if it is, yet they still may not be taking care of the other part of their relationship, the part that makes the sexual part or the intimate part or the connected part feel nourished. And sometimes when I have couples, I'm dealing with couples, I will ask them specifically, when was the last time you did something for your partner with the thought of, I am really grateful they're in my life. I just feel good knowing they're in my life. And often, they can't really say anything. And I just got asked by a woman if I knew of a woman in her 30s and 40s who has just simply lost her mojo, was not interested in sex at all, but it had nothing to do with her partner or hormones or anything else that she's going through. Well, that question is nonsensical because invariably, if someone's lost their mojo, something else has taken it away, and it's usually something happening in her life. Coming up to our next break, please stay with me. We'll be back about how to be thankful and grateful about your sex life. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years. 
and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Walking is one of the easiest ways to stay fit. A long-term study published by the American Heart Association indicates that women who walk two or more hours per week have a much lower risk of stroke than women who don't walk for exercise. Researchers found that walking for two or more hours per week resulted in a 30% lower risk of stroke. Walking at a brisk pace for three miles per hour or faster translates to a 37% lower risk of stroke. Remember that being active is essential to promoting cardiovascular health, and walking is a simple way of achieving physical exercise. So put on those athletic shoes and sunscreen and head outside for an exhilarating and beneficial walk. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back. Thank you for being with me again. <clears throat> Talking about as we're coming up to Thanksgiving and being thankful for what you have in your life, I remember being told by my sister-in-law when she and obviously married to my brother, hello, and she said, and it made such an impact on me, she said, you know, I could choose to focus on the things that he does that make me crazy, or I can choose to focus on the things that he does well. And she said, that's what I choose to do, because she said, otherwise, we probably would not still be in this marriage. And I was like, wow, that is like brilliant. That is like a brilliant Sort of like, and, and they, their, her overview of it is, you know what? I want to be happy. So when we look at our relationships, what are the things that you are grateful for? And speaking of, you know, being grateful, I don't know if you heard last week that Doug Flutie, who had, you know, that Hail Mary pass that ended up having them beat Miami. Uh, which I think is interesting. We don't talk about the guy who caught it. It was his name Naughton or something. Anyway, both of Doug Flutie's parents died last week within an hour of one another. And I actually have a friend of mine who we were just at her father's uh, service on Sunday, and her mother is not in good health right now either. So I would not be surprised if that also happened. The heart is an amazing thing. It, it knows the connection. And really, we all come from, in my understanding of this, we come from a place that 
is we're all from one source, we're all from one energetic thing, and the thing we're here to learn about is love. And the thing that, you know, when I talk about people being in relationships, oftentimes they stay in a relationship and they don't cultivate it. They're not grateful for it. They're not happy to be there. And sometimes people shouldn't remain in relationships because maybe, you know, the it was a foregone conclusion. Their soul pact thing was we're going to get together, have three kids, and then that's it. Yet there may also be another way that someone, I mean, I ask people, I give them this exercise. Please write down the things that someone did for you that made you feel really special. Did they uh, find a book that you like? Did they, you know, TiVo or save a movie that they thought you'd be interested in? And things that let you know that they were thinking of you. And the other thing that's so important when you're thankful and grateful, the universe shows up that way for you. It really does, whether you call it law of attraction. But, you know, here's the thing I'd like to just cover a bit, too. I I said I would. Charlie Sheen's coming out and coming forward with what was going on in his life. As I said, none of us have an idea of what it's like to walk in his shoes and have to sign, have people sign, you know, non-disclosure agreements just as they come in the door so that he can keep himself protected because you know, the, the media is sniffing all around him. And yet, I, I, in my intention, and I am grateful that he came forward about this because this is an area where people don't talk about, oh, I've been tested, or, you know, they will if they have to have a, you know, a life insurance policy or something like that. But for the majority of people, they're not talking about, their own awareness of their own sexual health. And I trust that this is also going to show he's not, you know, an isolated incident. This is something that, what is it, you know, we have, what is it, 47,000 who were diagnosed last year, and yet we know how this, you know, we know how this virus is transmitted. We know how people become HIV positive. It's, you know, it's not a mystery any longer, and yet we still are not comfortable having a conversation about it, again, because it is so stigmatized. So, Thanksgiving's coming around. How are you going to celebrate, and how are you going to be thankful about your relationship? This time of year, people start thinking of, okay, 2015 is, you know, winding down. What is 2016 going to be like? Well, why don't you make 2015 go out with a bang? Look at what is happening with your health. Are you taking care of your health for your relationship, for your sex life? Are you, because one of the biggest things that wipes out one's libido is that you are, you're stressed out about something, stressed out about money, stressed out about, you know, what your job is. And the reason for that is that uh, cortisol and stress, it is, it's in direct opposition to testosterone and androgens. So you're, it is the thing that will wipe out your libido. The other thing, if you've got 
too, if you don't have enough time to relax your body, your body is going to your body's going to stay in a state of stress. When I speak with people who, again, going back to the um, article where the woman said, "Can you find a woman who's uh, twenty, you know, thirty to forty, and she doesn't have her mojo, but she had it before, and what can she be counseled?" Well, bottom line is that kind of a question. There's invariably a reason for something to be gone. Chances are this person isn't feeling that they are getting a lot of attention for what they're doing. She may be a single mother, and as a result, she has to do a whole bunch more with her time than most, you know, not a single parent, but she may be a mom who's taking care of the kids by herself. I know one woman, and she said, listen, when my kids are there, I literally have no libido. I literally, all I'm thinking about is what do I have to do next? And an interesting thing that I remember being told when I was writing Hot Mamas, my book on sexuality and pregnancy, that these are, that the real indicator of a woman's libido is not how often she has sex, but how often she masturbates. And because that is her libidinous drive. Isn't that interesting? So when they, you know, Sometimes they'll have whatever you know, masturbation month or masturbate a thon or whatever it may be. That really is looking at what is your libido, and you're the one who's in charge of it. A lot of times, for for women, if they're not feeling acknowledged, if they're not feeling, hey, you know, this person said thank you for doing this, they're not going to feel all that you know open to, hey, I'm really interested in doing something with you sexually. No way, that's not likely going to be happening. But let's talk about you're thankful and you're grateful. How does that play out for you? What are your behaviors? Don't think your partner can read your mind. Tell them and tell them specifically. Oftentimes people will tell me a sentence that I say to them, have you ever said, have you ever said, that exact statement to your partner? They go, no, 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 no. I, uh, uh, well, they should know. I said, no, 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 I'm telling you. What you just said to me is exactly what you should be saying to them because that's the honest part of it. And the best time to show someone that you're thankful and grateful is at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. When one is leaving and going out into, you know, the world and when one is coming back in. Because oftentimes people do feel kind of like they have their energy is at a low ebb. But being told and the hugging at the door, that's a huge one for most people. Having a, a person who is there and wanting and says, hey, good to have you home. Something that is has them feel that they're important. When I talk about the attention and the intention, there truly is nothing that is more powerful and more seductive than your attention. So when we look at people having marriages come apart, I, I often will look at what was the most recent behavior. What were they doing? And chances are they weren't hanging out together. They were somewhere else. They were too busy with this. I mean, I see it all the time here in Los Angeles, particularly with celebrities. And, you know, but really, people don't get married so they can break up. I mean, I trust that, you know, Sofia Vergara and Joe Mantelegna had 
a lovely, lovely wedding and that, you know, they will be exceedingly happy together. Just another article that happened to be in DailyMail.com uh, was about the fact that Marilyn Monroe, before she became Marilyn Monroe, was really a bored young housewife who said, that's it. I'm, you know, she, Norma Jean, and she became model of the moment and then reinvented herself as Marilyn Monroe. Interesting. And yet, the big thing Marilyn wanted was attention. And the person who really loved her, like, two bits, was Joe DiMaggio. Yet, with his value system, he gave her the attention, but he also wanted her to be a typical Italian wife. And in the background, well, Joe, you married... America's sex symbol. What are you thinking? You know, that's kind of like, have a coffee. Wake up. That's not going to be happening. So I trust that you are able to get some information for yourself and for others in the area of sexual addiction. Educate yourself. Educate others. Uh, Joe Court, um, David Lay, Dr. Eli Coleman, Doug Brown Harvey are terrific. And for those of you who, you know, I'm going to have my new website. Yay! LouPaget.com. Books will be available. Um, there's going to be a whole, it's much more interactive. And tomorrow I am going to be on This Little Parent Stayed Home with Ali Lopreet. And we'll be talking about things that parents do at home, which should surprise no one that it might have something to do with sex. And for all of you, I trust you will have a beautiful and lovely Thanksgiving that you have fun with your family and friends. Enjoy and watch those calories, kids. Keep the bodies in shape. Bye for now. Thank you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 